0: to record i'm going to go in and let's see here um how do i do this okay i just need to you know mute. can you guys hear me before i mute everything i just want to know you guys can hear me
1: we hear you perfect
0: okay perfect 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 perfect
1: all righty let's go here here Back up here. Let's go here, and let's get
0: into this. All right, welcome, family. We are recording. We are live. We are direct. I am excited. Why do I still hear noise? In the I know it's recording. I want to make
1: sure it's recording? It is recording. It is it and I have been praying
0: all day so I will pray again because I have no problem praying 8, 9, 10, 20 times when I want to thank God for getting me here safely despite my mother's fears and worries about me coming to Colombia <laughs> and everybody else praying for me. Pray for my health, pray for my mind, pray for the body of this entire team, this organization, Pray for everyone who plugs in to be able to hear this and all those that hear my voice allow me to be an instrument that uses me as a tool for you as a mallet to be able to hammer home any views, values, purposes, and intentions that Jesus, you would have for each of his souls and each of his students and each of his children. Move all adversities, challenges, and obstacles out of our way. Love on us. Forgive us for inequities in all that we do. Know that we live for you give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. So getting started, family. This is a short verse, but I have a good meal. The meal is a big meal. So I'm going to call this the appetizer, but the appetizer can turn into a meal if you really listen and pay attention to it. Psalm 10 is the 10th Psalm of the book of Psalms generally known in English by its first verse in the King James Version. Why standest thou afar off, O Lord? Why hidest thou thyself in times of trouble? In the Greek, Septuagint and the Latin, vulgate, it is not an individual psalm, but the second part of Psalm 9, which is ut quid domine lecicite, These two consecutive psalms have the form of a single acrostic Hebrew poem. And for those who remember, I was actually sharing parts of Proverbs to truly understand what acrostic means and an algorithm and a rhythm that is made from a musical perspective or from a poetic perspective for children to actually remember these verses more than anything else. And so Hebrew poem, this Hebrew poem, if you will, this acristic Hebrew poem, compared to Psalm 9, Psalm 10 is focused more on the individual and the human condition. So reading that, as we jump into it, I want to give you a little bit
1: of background on that. In Psalm 10, stick with me here. Go in. I'm still toggling, so you guys work with me. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to read Psalm 10 here, so that you can read it through with me. I read like three different verses,
0: it just comes out differently each time. I wish I had time to go into that. But, Psalm 10, verse 1, why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In his arrogance, the wicked man hunts down the weak, who are caught in the schemes he devises. He boasts of the cravings of his heart. He blesses the greedy and reviles the Lord. In his pride, the wicked does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. His ways are always prosperous. He is haughty, and your laws are far from him. He sneers at all his enemies. He says to himself, nothing will shake me. I will always be happy and never have trouble. His mouth is full of curses and lies and threats. Trouble and evil are under his tongue. He lies in wait near the villages from ambush. He murders the innocent, watching in secret for his victims. He lies in wait like a lion in cover. He lies in wait to catch the helpless. He catches the helpless and drags them off into his net. His victims are crushed. They collapse. They fall under his strength. He says to himself, God has forgotten. He covers his face and never saves. Arise, Lord. Lift up your hand, O God. Do not forget the helpless. Why does the wicked man revile God? Why does he say to himself, he won't call me to account? But you, O oh God, do see trouble and grief. You consider it to, to take it in hand. The victim commits himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evil man. Call him to account for his wickedness and that would not be found out. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations will perish from his hand and his land. I'm sorry, from his land. You hear, O oh Lord, the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them, and you listen to their cry. Defending the fatherless and the oppressed in order that man who is of the earth may terrify no more. Psalms 9 and 10 may have been originally a single acrostic poem, the stanzas of which begin with successive letters of the Hebrew alphabet. I talked about this in Proverbs in this book. It's, it's, And the Septuagint, they they constitute one palm. So from the Hebrew scribes, nine and ten are one. So if you combine the two, you'll understand why both of them are
1: short, if you remember what I shared yesterday. I want to read it again from a different perspective, if you'll indulge me. But it starts off with, why do you hide yourself? Why, O Lord,
0: do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In arrogance, the wicked wholly pursue the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. For the wicked boast of their desires of his soul. And the greedy for the gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high, out of his sight. As for all his foes, he puffs at them. He says in his heart, I shall not be moved. Throughout all generations, I shall not meet adversity. His mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression under the tongue are mischief and iniquity. He sits in ambush in the villages. In hiding places, he murders the innocent. His eyes definitely watch for the helpless. He lurks in ambush like a lion in his thicket. He lurks that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor when he draws him into his net. The helpless are crushed, sink down, and fall by his might. He says in his heart, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. Arise, O Lord. O God, lift up your hand. Forget not the afflicted. Why does the wicked renounce God? And say in his heart, you will not call to account. But you do see. For you, note note mischief and vexation, that you may take it into your hands to you, the helpless, commits himself, and have been the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. O oh, Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed so that man who is of the earth may strike
1: terror no more. Now, I'm going to go further with this. This is quite perplexing.
0: And I'll share why after I break this down. Psalm 10 is from times of trouble to calm the confidence. It's because of this psalm and that it has no title as it is joined to the hip at number nine. In the midst of several psalms, as we talked about yesterday, you don't buy one song, you buy the album that are collectively put together. And because it shares some similar themes with Psalm 9, some have thought that it was originally the second half of Psalm 9. And it is, for the collective, we know it is a collective. Nine and 10. There's no reason to doubt that. But I want to share this. There's not, and this is a quote, by the way. This is from three different people that said it in the same different way. I just put it all together in my words. There is not, my judgment, a psalm which describes the mind, the manners, the works, the words, the feelings, and the fate of the ungodly with so much propriety, fullness, and light as this psalm. So as we look at one through four, questioning the success of the wicked, questioning the seemingly inactivity of God against the wicked. Why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble? The wicked in his pride persecutes the poor. Let them be caught in the plots which they have devised, for the wicked boast of his heart's desires. Now we've read this twice, but I want to break it down. Here the psalmist ask a question well known to those who follow God. The concern and sometimes anxiety of the seemingly inactivity of God, where he may not be there, is what this actually shows up as. The psalmist felt that God was afar off and did even hide in times of trouble. Understand this, the presence of God is the joy of his people, but any suspicion of his absence is distracting beyond measure. It is not the trouble, but the hiding of our Father's face, which cuts us to the quick but he's not really hiding this is just a statement of a human brain that doesn't necessarily have the relationship necessary in times of need remember i talked about yesterday of how you can actually think that you have been forgotten or forsaken times of trouble when it's broken down here goes into according to mclaren this was a rare word in the ancient hebrew vocabulary Used only here in Psalm 99. It means a cutting off of hope of deliverance. The notion of distress intensified to despair it's conveyed. See, as we break down the wicked in his pride, this explains why the psalmist was so troubled by the seeming inactivity of God. He saw the wicked, proud man who not only persecutes the poor and approves other sinners, but blesses the greedy. He also sins against God, renounces the Lord, does not seek God. We immediately recognize that anyone who renounces the Lord is sinful. Yet the psalmist here puts the one who does not seek God and the one who does not think about God God is none of this, uh, is in none of these thoughts, in the same category as the one who renounces the Lord. Men do not seek God. This is a great sin. The ones who don't look for Him, they're going to hell. I'm just, that's the Byronism, just so you know. Men do not think about God. This also is a great sin. Not only don't they, hear what I'm saying, not only do they not seek him, but they don't think about him. These two are both great sins. Man has obligations to God, his creator and sovereign. And it is a sin to neglect them. Man commits these sins because of his proud continence. Ignoring God is an expression of our independence and perceived equality to him, or superiority, if you will. As it goes into God, it's none of these thoughts. At the same time, he cannot think of God. He does later in Psalms 10, 11, and 13. Watch this. He says, the thoughts God has forgotten. He hides his face. You will never see. You will not require an account. Try as he may, he cannot stop thinking about God. It's kind of like when you do something wrong and you can't stop thinking about it because you know you did wrong. You think you got away with something, so you want to boast about it, almost to cover it up, almost to cover your face, almost to try and put on a mask or a facade, but you can't get away from it. There are none who would dispute the justice of God when he shall hang every hangman on his own gallows and cast all the enemies of his Daniels into their own den of lions. Five through seven, his ways are always prospering. Here the psalmist protest, completely protested to God. Not only did the wicked seem to enjoy constant prosperity, but did so because God's judgments are far above and out of sight. We can actually imagine in this that the psalmist's thinking was, If only God would demonstrate his judgment to this wicked man, he would change his ways. This may sound like a complaint against God, and in some sense, it may be. Yet it should be more seen as a complete confidence in God's rules and authority. The psalmist recognized that the wicked could never prosper unless God allowed it. So he appealed to God to not allow it. It's many of us walking through the streets so many times. We could be in our own businesses like, how did they get to ETL? How did that person get the manager position? How did that person become the general manager? How did that person get to, I mean? Where did they get the financing on their restaurant? And I've been slaving as a manager in this restaurant, getting pennies on the dollar. How did this person get that position on the football team? And I'm sitting up here on the bench and I know that they don't, I put in all the
1: work. I developed, I made this happen. You can only imagine. How do these people that keep getting ahead that are
0: sour at mouth and sour in thought and despise the Lord and um, that cannot, not even kind of, but completely denounce God as we praise him, we pray, we do all the right things. And how does that person end up with good children and we end up with bad children? And how does that person end up with a fortune and up appears scraping up pennies to
1: get through the month? And all these conversations, he sneers at them. I shall not be moved. I shall never be in adversity, full of cursing
0: and deceit and oppression. The psalmist examined the exposed, the exposure, the exposure of his sins. The wicked man is not afraid of his enemies. He, I mean, he's almost like, I mean, it's, he's on a path of arrogance beyond arrogance. No wonder he wanted to God, God, to stop. Him. I mean, just stop this sinner. could you kill him? Could you? Could you? knock him off a horse, break a leg, make him think twice about what he's doing, that he's not all that?
1: We're impressed at how
0: often the wicked speech of men, which is often today regarded as no sin at all, is regarded as sin in the Psalms. Cursing, lying, threatening, and troubling, evil speech are the
1: destructive. They flow from one who does not believe in God, will hold him or her accountable, really. But we move to eight through 11. The balance, the violence, the violence and
0: blasphemy of the wicked. He sits in the lurking places of the villages in the secret places he murders the innocent. His eyes are secretly fixed on the helpless, almost like a person who's almost casing a joint or someone who's waiting to pickpocket and they're waiting for the person who's slipping on the street or the person who leaves the cash register
1: open and you trusted them but you didn't know that over a month they've been taken from the till. Is many different situations. I mean, come on. How the person that actually murdered my child get away and only get like,
0: you know, a year, two years, three years, a five-year, you know, bid, but got out on good behavior after a year because he was in the driver's seat, he didn't pull, he didn't, he didn't pull the gun.
1: So three of them get off. He sits lurking in the village. He murders the innocent. See, another characteristic of
0: the wicked man is seen in how he is a bully, focusing his violence against
1: the weak. He isn't manful or honorable enough to openly fight those who might affect the fight back. The helpless. Here, as we talk about Psalms 10
0: through 8, the pathetic state of his victims is shown in the reiterated word, hapless, or poor wretch. Found only here. Helpless is a word only found in this psalm, in this psalm, which has received various explanations, but is probably derived from a root word meaning to be black
1: and hence comes to mean miserable, hapless, or like. Interesting. God has, forget- has, has forgotten. He hides his face.
0: Here, let me say, That the psalmist, this made the murder, the oppression, and the bullying of the wicked man all worse. He did it all cherishing the thought that God has forgotten. It's the thought. And would never see his wickedness against the poor and the helpless. It is common for men to think that God has forgotten their sins simply because it seems to those men that they were committed a long time ago. It is not a senseless thing to be careless of sins committed a long time ago, or is it? The old sins forgotten by men stick fast in an infinite understanding. Time cannot raise out that which hath been known from eternity. We also notice a great difference between the pain and the believer who fears God has forgotten, as in 10.1, and the sinner who vainly opens and takes false comfort in the idea that God has forgotten as we tap into 12 through 13 this is really an underlying place it's a prayer to God for protection and vindication so those that are studying prayer and go back and listen to this and want to know about prayer it is a prayer to God for protection and vindication it's a call upon God to take action arise O Lord O God, lift up your hand, do not forget the humble. Why do the wicked renounce God? He has said in his heart, you will not require an account. Here, the psalmist simply called upon God to take action. Lord, this wicked man finds comfort in the idea that you won't do anything against him. It is not stated in this untitled psalm, but often assumed that David wrote this psalm because it is arranged in the midst of several psalms that are specifically attributed to David. Three through nine was for David. Eleven through 32 was David. Yet we know David to be a man of valiant action and a warrior spirit, not the kind to stand passively back while the wicked murdered and terrorized the weak and the helpless. The only exception to this would be if the wicked man were in place of God-appointed authority such as Saul was in Israel. Perhaps the psalm was a cry of David for God to stop Saul because David knew that it was not his place to lift his hand against the Lord, anointed. None of the Lord's anointed. Why do we, I mean, it's a question. They're asking, actually asking a question here. Why do the wicked renounce God? The psalmist answered his own question in the next line. The wicked renounce God because they say in their heart that God will not require an account, which we know is not true. The long-suffering of God, instead of leading such a one to repentance, only hardens him in his iniquity, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. He thinks it will not be executed at all. He doesn't understand what we just talked about yesterday and the day before about how to wait. If anybody has patience on this planet, I promise you it's God. <laughs> I promise you it's God. I do believe in all of my heart that he has more patience to wait out everyone on this planet through all of eternity and make sure each creature that was created with the power of choice that chooses wrong shall pay the price. 14 14 through 15, asking for God's help in view of his kindness to the helpless. Interesting, I mean, even in the first sentence, but you have seen or you observe trouble and grief. Upon further reflection, the psalmist recognized that God has indeed seen because he sees and cares about the trouble and grief of the poor and the helpless. As he's talking about to repay it by your hand, here is the confidence of the psalmist in God's judgment. This is my belief is that he had much confidence in everything that God would do in judgment day for each soul that he created on this planet. He knows each one of us down to each hair and follicle on our head. We most certainly will repay the wicked for their sins. God will indeed answer the helpless. He has always been there. And be the helper of the fatherless, which is a very interesting conversation. The psalmist called upon God to help the weak by shattering the wicked and the evil man. We move into 16 through 18, confidence in God's judgment. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations have perished out of his land. Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble, the humility. You will prepare their heart. You will cause your ear to hear, to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed. says a lot. Here the psalmist begins with almost despair in his times of trouble. He ends with calm confidence, though, if you look at this, in the reign of the Lord as an eternal king. God had long been declared the king of kings, the king of Israel. You can actually refer, if you want a reference point, go to Exodus 15 through 18. Even when his people rejected his rule, even when his people, his own people, rejected his rule. Oh, you don't believe me? Write down 1 Samuel 8, 7 through 9. David wrote this psalm, especially during a time of persecution from Saul. The words, the Lord is king forever and ever, would have special meaning, recognizing the reign of God even over the troubled and the dysfunctional reign of Saul. Now, the nations have perished. That goes into remembering the past victories of God against the cruel enemies of his people. In this case, the Canaanites who occupied his land. This gave the psalmist greater confidence regarding the present help of the Lord. They are all either cut off or converted. This may refer to the Canaanites always, but what you need to understand is the mercy that we can say this of our own country, our own God. Once it was entirely heathen, now not one heathen family in the whole land.
1: Remember turning around to turn into a pillar of salt. As he moves through this verse, this continues to
0: express the calm confidence of the psalmist. God will not abandon the poor and needy, but will help and bless them. David does not say, Thou hast heard, thou hast heard the prayer of the humble. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. He means that, but he also means a great deal more. Sometimes we have desires that we cannot express. They're so big, too deep, we can't clothe them. In a language, we can't find an adjective for them. This, that has happened over the last four days for many of us on this call. where it's, We can't even have, me and Justin had that conversation, can't even put it into words. And I mean, we, we don't even know how to express it. We feel too bowed down within the emotion of it to even be able to dress it up, to share it with somebody. But the Lord hears the desires when we cannot or dare not turn it into the actual form of words or prayer. I want you to get what I just said. You will prepare their hearts. See, the psalmist reminds us of the spiritual preparation
1: of the heart. is a great gift. It's an answer to the prayer and a mark on God's blessing. To do justice. That the man on the earth
0: may oppress no more. Here it ends with assurance of God's justice applied to the wicked. What began with a sense of despair in times of trouble has ended with the calm confidence in God's justice and victory. The man of the earth, earthly and mortal men, who are made of the dust and must return to it, such as the oppressors of the people are under the rule of God, the day must come when that man who is of the earth may be terrible no more. These were the concluding words of this song
1: and they constitute a fitting answer to its opening inquiry. Well, there's a verse. There is a verse and a chapter composed of 18 verses. That's a lot. That is a lot. So, I
0: conclude that part there. And what I will do is open it up. here. Let me stop recording on that part. That was really deep. Bam.